From the Amazon to the Himalayas, God is accomplishing his mission. Welcome to Amazon to the Himalayas podcast. Stories and conversations with the global church and for the global church about the mission of God in the world. And now here is your host, Paul Aiken. This is Amazon to the Himalayas podcast, conversations with the global church and for the global church about the mission of God in the world. I'm your host, Paul Aiken, and in this episode, we will hear about what God is doing across the continent of Europe. Our guest today is Jacob. Jacob and his family live in Europe. They're based in London, but really work all over the continent. I've known Jacob for several years and count him as a good friend, and I'm always encouraged every time I interact with him. I think you too will be encouraged by this conversation. Jacob, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Paul. It's really good to be here, man. Excited to to be with you and share a little bit more about what God's doing in Europe. Maybe start by just telling us briefly about you and your family. Yeah, my wife, Elizabeth, and our four kids, we started out serving the Lord in South Asia. And uh, from South Asia, God really began to put a vision for global cities on our hearts. And so we moved to one of the big global cities in South Asia to begin to try to figure out how do we see the church multiply and grow in health and numbers from Mumbai, knowing that as it that happened in Mumbai, it would go out to the rural areas as well. And then through a series of sovereign events of the Lord, we were not allowed into South Asia anymore. And our organization asked if we would come and lead the work in London. And so in early 2017, we landed in London and just, man, had an amazing time learning about London, seeing God at work in London. Uh, and then about a year ago, our organization asked if we would consider taking leadership for the continent of Europe. And so we have, with the International Mission Board then for the last year, led the work uh, across the continent of Europe. And that would include Canada and, and Australia as well. Jacob, we know a lot from TV and from other things about the UK, some about Europe, but maybe tell us from your perspective after having lived there for several years, Tell us about the people, the culture. What makes this part of the world unique? Europe, I say, is the most strategic place for global gospel advance and missions today. And the reason I say that is, number one, just because of the utter lostness that is on this continent. Uh, Since my wife Elizabeth and I came into this role a year ago, we've been doing a lot of research. And research on the church in Europe is pretty hard just because the church has Baptist on its name or Methodist or evangelical even does not mean that it would meet the biblical requirements for a church. But to the best of our abilities, working with other European organizations and and the International Mission Board, determined that Europe is about 1.1% evangelical. That means that Europe is the most lost continent on the face of the earth in terms of percentage of evangelicals. So there might be a greater population in Asia, but in terms of percentage of evangelicals, Europe is the most lost continent. It was a little bit shocking for us to see that, but I think it was also healthy for us to see that the task before us is big. And so while while the lostness is there, 1.1%, we also have the nations living on this continent. And we have representatives from every country in the world that live in Europe. And so it is the global connecting point of the world. And so we've got massive lostness amongst Europeans to do work in and amongst, while at the same time, the nations are here giving us access to some of the most closed places in the world. And so Europe really is poised, I think, in the next decade, two decades, 
to be a very critical piece to kingdom expansion across the, the world. I want to dive a little bit deeper there. It's been noted in literature and writing resources, probably the last decade or more of just kind of the decline of religion across Europe, but also the shrinking number of evangelicals. Just as you noted, I was reading in a magazine not too long ago that said about 55% of young Europeans aged 16 to 29 identify with no religion. So can you dive a little bit deeper with us there and talk some about the the spiritual state of Europe today? It's actually very exciting, the spiritual state of Europe, because we're seeing a lot of openness amongst the younger generation. The older generation, I'd say 35 and, and above, are still very intellectual in their pursuits and approach. And so as you engage them with the gospel, uh, there's much more of an intellectual conversation that happens around the gospel. And so you really have to go through the head to the heart. But we found that Europeans that are below the age of 35 have really opened themselves up to different spiritual things. And so a lot of them have, because postmodernism really leads to this place where there is no truth. And so even the scientific truths that, that older generations would have believed in, they're questioned, they're doubted. Uh, a lot of them believe in prayer. They believe in, in these spiritual things. And so they've kind of, their worldviews become a mixture of a whole lot of things. But because of that, they've opened up their hearts. And so we don't have to just go through the mind. We can actually engage them spiritually. And so in, in a city like London, actually, the way that we begin gospel conversations is by asking to pray for them. It's amazing the response that we get as we say, hey, we're followers of Jesus, and we believe the best way to care for people is just to pray. Is there anything that we can pray for you? And actually, just a little bit ago, just out here in, in London, prayed for for a young guy who just lost his mom last week. The conversation then led to the gospel, full gospel, and, and he was very open to, to the things of Christ. So with the younger generation, we are seeing a whole lot of, of openness in as their world shifts, and in many ways is uncertain to them. And so the gospel has a, has a great place to be listened to. You mentioned London there, and I want to come back to London in a little bit, but you also have your your scope and your sights set on the entire continent of Europe as well. So as you think back over the past year, and I know the past year has been unique in many ways, what's one of the one of the biggest highlights, one of the most encouraging things that you've seen or heard about across the continent of Europe? And there's honestly, there's a lot of very encouraging things that have happened across this continent last year. But I think, I think one of the most exciting things happened in the last several months. You know, as, as Corona hit, uh, it was very devastating in Europe. And most of our countries locked down very tightly, which made it very challenging to do traditional uh, missions. And so traditional access and physical access was very limited. And so our affinity was able to put together a team of guys to think through digital engagement. And the whole idea was instead of getting people just broadcasted the gospel, because that's very important to get the gospel narrative out in a broad way, or to see them engage from a digital space to another digital space, is there a way that we can, in this world, engage them digitally and then put them in a path to be able to engage with them directly? And so uh, we had a team of guys working on this, and actually in Bosnia, we were able to see some awesome fruit in the month of June and July. So in, in Serbia and in Bosnia, there were about 2 million screens that the ads and posts were on. 
which led to about 770,000 number of people who stopped to view the ads. And then it ended up in, in 33 people being engaged in like Zoom chat rooms and seven people putting their faith in Christ, six from Serbia and one from, from Bosnia. And so now they're continuing to, to meet on a consistent basis. And actually in Serbia have met physically and two of them have now been baptized in, in a river. And so it's just cool to see that even though it's not ideal and even though we definitely want to get together physically, the gospel is not limited by that. And our access isn't even limited by that. That's probably the, the most encouraging story. And I'm looking forward to seeing how the Lord will continue to use that in the days to come. That's amazing. Maybe tell us a little bit about some of the differences between ministry work strategy in the western part of Europe versus the eastern part. You just mentioned kind of Bosnia, some of those areas in the east, but then you're based in, in London. Maybe talk about some of the differences there. Yeah. So as you move further east, obviously you get into the old Soviet bloc. And so you have a lot of Orthodox. Orthodox is their foundation and religious. As you move more central, you get the Catholic. Then as you move further west, you get more secular. And so what we find in the Christian world is that you generally get more liberal as you move west and you get much more conservative as you move east. So as you move further west, obviously that's where you get a lot of our liberal theologians that would not even really believe in the authority of the word of God anymore. And as you get further east, you get a little bit more legalistic tendencies. I mean, a lot of that really lines up with the old Soviet communist ideas versus the West free thought and some things like that. So really, it kind of moves along those. As you get down to the Balkans, like Bosnia and Serbia, you get some, some Muslim people groups and some Muslim influence. But in general, you get much more conservative as you move east. That would be politically as well, and much more liberal as you move west. And so historically, there's been this east-west divide. But what's happened in the last 20 years because of economies is that a lot of people from the east have moved to the west. And so you have this people movement happening in, in Europe as well, which has created some interesting worldview dynamics in the West as it becomes more diverse. The other way that, that people look at Europe is in North-South, which was new to me. I was aware of the East-West, but the North-South is as you move further south into Spain and Portugal and, and Italy and the Balkans, you get a much more warm culture. And so people are much more, they're willing to meet with each other as you move further south, you get much more cold culture. And so they're distant. They wouldn't gather in as big of, of groups as commonly. That also has a tendency to impact worldviews and cultures and even how we would approach church planting and, and missions work. I like the, the mention of cold climate, warm climate. I think those are helpful ideas and framework. Obviously, you are looking at all of Europe, but you live in London which would be more cold climate. Tell us a little bit about how God is working in London. Yeah, it's, it's been really exciting since Elizabeth and I uh, came to this great city. Honestly, it's the last place we thought we would be. And we really did have to pray through, Lord, is, is London really a place? Because London historically is known as a Christian place. And Elizabeth and I really felt like our calling was to those that had never heard the gospel. But seeing what God is doing in cities and how he's moving people to these global hubs and seeing the diversity in London, the access to lostness from the Europeans as well as from the globe. It's, it's a tremendously strategic place. So then coming into London and beginning to, to just share the gospel and finding a lot of openness and especially younger people who are believing and then looking at gathering them into new churches and really beginning to see some of the transients within cities presenting challenges for uh, church formation 
And then seeing God work in the workplace. And that's probably the most exciting thing that we've seen. If we're going to see the gospel move in cities, we're going to have to figure out how to get Christian professionals engaged, equipped, and empowered to share the gospel and make disciples in the workplace. And so as, as we came into London, we began to cast some vision for Christian business groups that were around, talk to some local churches that do have some ministry in the, in the professional center of London. And we've been able to see new believers and group discipleship groups start in office places like YouTube and Facebook and Google, as well as Lloyd's and Barclays. And we're seeing God do some amazing things amongst some of the young professionals that now they're taking it to some other places in the world where their companies would have hubs as they travel or even move for a season to do work there. So probably the most exciting thing happening in London now would be amongst that, that professional, uh, professional class. Obviously in your work, there's a myriad of challenges, but if you had to narrow it down to one or two of the biggest challenges that you face in your work, what would those challenges be? That's a really good question. I think in Europe, the biggest challenge would be boldness. And obviously, I served in South Asia and experienced persecution, not personally, but amongst some of my brothers and, and sisters that we did work in. And, and persecution was pretty fierce in South Asia, and it, it generally came across physically. They would beat them physically or burn down their church buildings. And so coming to Western Europe especially was not expecting persecution. And the reality is that we faced a whole lot of persecution here, but it hasn't been physical in nature. It's actually shame-based. And so as we go out to share the gospel, as soon as I begin to open my mouth to share, immediately shame comes because they might think I'm stupid or I'm an American or all of these different things that they've created, these narratives that they've created. And so what I found is the greatest challenge for me is just boldness. Paul's writing in, in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God and salvation, that even though I know it might bring shame to me, that I'm still willing to boldly speak the gospel. And what we found is that it's a really coy trick of the enemy, because when we do share the gospel, there's actually a lot of people in Europe, Europeans, who are hungry and in need and are very willing to listen and, and be a part of the gospel conversation. It's just really getting over that boldness barrier. So I think boldness is probably the biggest challenge that, that we face. And then I think a belief in a big God. When you work in a place where you don't see a whole lot of fruit very often, sometimes that can impact your view of God and your view of the power of the gospel. Uh, it's hard to keep going back day in and day out and day in and day out and getting told no and getting told no and not to get discouraged. And sometimes what happens is our view of God gets diminished and it's hard for us to, to continue to believe that, man, even though I got told no the last 10 years, tomorrow God could show up and do something amazing. And so I think, too, that would be the second probably biggest barrier is just maintaining a big view of God and the power of the gospel. One of the things I love about the church is that it's global. And you're there, obviously, serving in a local church, worshiping in local churches there in London. So as you think about your particular context— what are the, the local brothers and sisters there? What is the local church in that place teaching you? What is it that you're learning from them? And I think how to be real. They have been through a lot of discouragement the last 20, 30 years. They've sort of been 
like the snowball rolling backwards down the hill. And there have been faithful laborers that have investing, invested their lives and their ministries in trying to slow the snowball and, and get momentum. And these pastors that have just labored hard and, and it's been a challenge in this culture, in this worldview, but have faithfully labored. And what that's created is a real genuineness. They're not playing games and they're not trying any tricks, but they've really boiled down to, you know what? God's got to do this. And we're just going to be very simple as we go out and, and share the gospel and do what, what the New Testament asks us to do. And so it's just been amazing to see brothers and sisters that have been faithful day in and day out for years and still love Jesus, love the church, and want to see his kingdom expand. This is a more personal question, but it's a question I ask everybody that I interview. Jacob, day after day, week after week, and month after month, what keeps you there in that place, and why are you giving your life to this work? The authority of the Word of God and the power of the Spirit of God. I think Romans 15, this, this ambition that Paul had, there was no room left for the gospel from Jerusalem to Illyricum. This, this ambition that Paul had to get the gospel to Rome, the seeming drive that he had to see the gospel get where the gospel hasn't gone. And while that's not there every day, as I spend time in the Word and submit to the Word, the missionary heart of God continues to come out. His love for the nations, his love for all people, his desire and his follow through and his desire and obedience on the cross. So I think it's the authority of the word and then the power of the spirit, just the work of the spirit that brings out the love and the joy to continue to serve. But Paul, man, I'm going to be honest, it's not easy. And there have been days where Elizabeth and I have said, I don't know if we can do this anymore. But ultimately, it's, it hasn't been our faithfulness. It's, it's the faithfulness of Christ to us that I think has allowed us to maintain our presence on the field. Obviously, you're, you spend a lot of time praying for the work, praying for workers across the continent. But what is your constant prayer for the peoples of Europe? Yeah, I think more labors, Luke 10.1, that we pray the Lord of the harvest, who would send forth more labors. Honestly, we, we need more American laborers, but we also need more African laborers. We need more South and Central American laborers because there's a significant population of those in Europe. We also need more European laborers. And so our cries for more laborers, but especially that God would raise up locals to take stewardship of the Great Commission in this continent. And knowing that as those laborers are raised up and they take stewardship under the authority of the word, by the power of the spirit, we're going to see the church expand through Europe. And as it, as it moves through Europe, it's going to move through the nations. Last question for you, Jacob. What is one thing you want everyone listening to this podcast to know or to do? So I, I would like for everybody on this podcast to know that God is still at work in Europe. To not listen to the narrative and the news that God is dead in Europe because God is on the move from a story I got yesterday from baptisms in Germany to what he's doing in Russia amongst some of the church planting work we're, we're seeing there. And in Italy after COVID, the openness and new believers and baptisms we're seeing there. I want them to know that God is on the move in Europe and that God is still on his throne and the gospel is still the power of God unto salvation, even in Europe. And then I want them to do two things. I want them to pray 
for the church in Europe, that the church would continue to believe in a big God and that the power of the gospel is still the solution. And then I want them to ask the Lord if they have a part, if the Lord has a part for them to play in the work in Europe, whether that's just to pray and help us gain more prayer support, whether that's to, to give financially, sacrificially, or where that's to come and join us in some way to see the gospel move forward here on this continent. Amen. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Jacob today. Please, as the Lord brings him to your mind, pray for him, for his family, for the work in Europe. To hear more conversations like this, please subscribe to this podcast and be sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening to this episode. This is Amazon to the Himalayas podcast. Thank you for joining us on Amazon to the Himalayas. This podcast is brought to you by the Billy Graham School at Southern Seminary. Please visit our website, www.sbts.edu bgs, where you can subscribe to the show and learn more. Also, if you have found these conversations helpful, please leave us a comment or a review and encourage your friends to subscribe to the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for more. This is Amazon to the Himalayas podcast.